See that there are times in the scripture where we see this kind of thing happening. The, the passing of the baton, if you will. We saw it with Moses to Joshua. We saw it with Elijah to Elisha. And certainly tonight we're seeing it from Samuel going to Saul. Every creature's unique in a song that it sings. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. After the victory of Saul over the Ammonites in 1 Samuel chapter 11, Samuel knew the nation would now begin to look to this king for leadership. Here, he helped Israel make the transition from Samuel's leadership to Saul's leadership. Samuel made this clear when he said, Now here is the king, and I am old and gray-headed. Samuel told Israel that his day was over, and Saul's day was beginning. In this, Samuel showed himself as a truly godly man. He was willing to pass from the scene when God brought up another leader. Now let's join Pastor Rob in chapter 12 of 1 Samuel. Last week we looked at chapter 11. And if you remember, it was Saul's, this was, uh, chapter 11 was really Saul who was Israel's first king. This was really his best and last great moment of his ministry, of his time being king. You'll recall that Nahash the Ammonite, who the Ammonites were to the east of the Jordan River, and they came against a small town uh, right on the west side or, or the east side of the Jordan River called Jabesh Gilead, which belongs to the tribe of Gad. And the Ammonites came against them and threatened to um, uh, take out their eyes and stuff, all, you know, basically to destroy them. And they gave them, uh, the Ammonites gave them uh, ample time to figure out an army to come and uh, fight with them. Uh, they, they believed that there was nothing that Israel could do. Uh, because they were so disjointed at that time. So the Ammonites kind of had it in their mind that this was going to be an easy battle for them. But the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who you, you remember, we looked at the history of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin and the people of Jabesh-Gilead and what really bound them together. Because the, the men of Jabesh-Gilead came to Saul in, in Benjamin into the town where he lived, and they told him the story. And so Saul, he musters an army. He does something a little unconventional in trying to encourage the people of Israel to gather together to come and wage war against the Ammonites, who are an enemy of Israel. And he does. He gets a, a great army. They come against Jabesh Gilead. It's a great victory for Israel. And it was Saul's very first victory as king. And so what happened after that is is that uh, everyone is really excited. You know, they had asked for a king. God gave them this king that they wanted. 
And this king went out to battle, and he fought his first battle, and it was a great victory. And everyone is really excited. You know that feeling. When, something, when, when you're in, involved in something for the very first time, and, and, and everything just goes, it's you know, gangbusters. Everything is going well. And that's exactly what happened. And the people were kind of on a high with their new king. And it says to us, you know, they said, long live the king. And then Samuel, um, um, excuse me, Samuel said to the people, come and let's go up to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made the king, Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And they made sacrifices of peace offerings and before the Lord. And Saul and all the men rejoiced greatly. They rejoiced greatly. And I think it's interesting, out of all the kings of Israel, Saul, this very first king of Israel, he seems to have like three different events for his inauguration, if you will. You remember that Samuel uh, met Saul in his own hometown of Ramah, and Samuel anointed Saul with oil privately. It was very private between him and Saul. And then later on, we find in uh, the 10th chapter of this book that finally he's proclaimed king publicly, uh, and, they, and, they, and they did it through uh, by lot uh, just, to make sh- just to make sure and to prove to the people that God was in this process. They did that at Mizpah. But this was a very pr- uh, public uh, pronouncement of Saul being king. And then finally we see after this first victory, they decide to go and go to Gilgal and have another coronation ceremony because they're so excited about their new king, which you can't blame them. And so Saul is now coronated, uh, in a sense, a third time publicly. So let's read, uh, for the sake of context, let's read chapter 12, and then we'll get into it. Notice, it says, Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice and all that you said to me, and have made a king over you. And now here is your king walking before you. And I'm an old and gray-headed. And look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness before me, the Lord, uh, excuse me, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. And then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and as anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. So then Saul, or excuse me, then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hands of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths, but now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel. 
Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now therefore... Stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. And so Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. So then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have done all this wickedness. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For this For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good way and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king." Both you and your king. You know, transition, I, I, if I could label this uh, passage tonight, it would be Saul's coronation and Samuel's swan song. Samuel's swan song. And transitions, as we see tonight, are very rarely smooth and easy. And we're going to see that there are times in the scripture where we see this kind of thing happening. The the passing of the baton, if you will. We saw it with Moses to Joshua. We saw it with Elijah to Elisha. And certainly tonight we're seeing it from Samuel going to Saul. And these transitions or the succession of ministry is important. They're very important things. They often come to a halt when there is no vision or direction, when, when there isn't a smooth succession like we see in the Scripture sometimes. Some churches plan on ministry succession, and others do not. The ones who don't, they usually end up in crises, and the ministry and the people in the church, they suffer. I've seen and heard this many times where a pastor You know, for many years he teaches, he finally gets to be 85 years old, and then he has a stroke, and he goes home to be with the Lord. And now he's got a board of elders that are fighting over who should take over the church. And anyone in leadership, especially in church leadership, and this happens in the world even, whenever there is somebody at the top of the, you know, who's kind of leading the whole thing, There's always people underneath ready to go that if something should happen, and that only makes sense. 
In fact, you may be doing several jobs at your workplace because if somebody calls in sick or gets fired, you're the next one in line to take up that slack. And so the same thing happens in ministry too. And it's important that we're always uh, raising up the, the people around us. It's always good for those in leadership to be looking out and, and encouraging others to get involved because the church is not about the leaders in the church. It's about Jesus. And to make that go smooth, we have to think. And we have to keep things going. And we have to make sure that we're not getting stuck on ourselves, but we've got to reach out and we've got to include others and identify others whom the Lord seems to have his hand on and encourage them. And that's what happened to me. That's why the transition from Pastor Jeff to myself went so well. But that isn't usually the case. But we need to be thinking about that. And even though Saul was king... Samuel, we're going to see, is, was really more of the spiritual leader where Saul was really the military commander. And so Samuel was sort of like a, a father to Saul, in a sense. And even though we're going to see a transition tonight between Samuel, the, Israel's last judge, to Saul, Israel's first king, it doesn't mean that Saul or it doesn't mean that Samuel is going to drop off the face of the earth. He's slowly going to, at this point going forward, he's going to slowly fade, fade away from the scene. But he's going to be interjected at different times in Saul's life to correct him. He's going to be interjected in the life of David's life to anoint him king. And then in chapter twenty-five, Samuel passes from the scene. He passes on. And so really what this is, is passing the baton until Samuel passes on, physically, physically. And in the midst of it, we're going to see Saul again coronated once again after this great victory that they had against the Ammonites. So let's go back to verse 1. So Samuel said to the, all of Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice and all that you've said to me. You know, that you remember the people were crying out. They wanted a king over them. And they kept crying and crying. And, and be careful what you ask for because you just might get it, right? And that's true. And that's what the people of Israel did. They saw all the nations around them. They wanted to be just like them. And so they kept crying, We want a king. We want a king. We want a king. And God is going... Like, uh, not a good idea. Wasn't I sufficient for you? Wasn't I able to bring you through the desert? Didn't I fight your battles for you? Why is there any need for a king, begs the question. But the peer pressure, isn't that true? It's not only about people individually succumbing to peer pressure. Nations, kings of other nations, look at other kings of other nations, and they say, wow, I want to be like that. I want to do that. I like the way they do things. I want to mimic that. And that's exactly what we see. And so, finally, the Lord, if you remember, in chapter 8 of this book, in verse 4, it says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together. Remember, we looked at this. They came to Samuel at Ramah, his hometown. They said to him, Look, you're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make a king to judge us like all the nations. Like all the nations. Like all the nations. Does that sound like a little bit of peer pressure? We want to be like all the nations. But the thing, it says, displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel, listen to them. Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should rule, reign over them. And again, this is a sin of the people. God wasn't good enough. 
Has God never been good enough? He's always good enough. It's our, the problem is with us. It's never a problem with him. The problem is always with us. God is able to do anything. If he required a king, he would have just said, you know what, Samuel, I need you to go do this without ever being provoked or people crying about it. God would have just said, this is what I need you to do. And it would have been the right thing to do. But God knew very well he could conquer their battles. Didn't he do it with the, with the uh, Amalekites and the, uh, uh, the Midianites with Gideon? Wasn't he able to conquer several, a couple hundred thousand with just 300 men at night with pitchers and lamps and trumpets? Can God do those things again and again and even be very creative? I think he can. He's a very creative God. And so we see in Samuel chapter 8 that not only in that verse 7, but also in verse 9 and verse 22 of that same chapter, he says the same thing. Samuel, listen to their voice. Listen to their voice. And again, be careful what you ask for because you might just get it. And the day that man no longer wants God is the beginning of the end for that man or for that nation. When we forget God, when we no longer want God, That is the day we as a person, we as a nation, begin to die slowly. The tourniquet gets put around our artery, and little by little, the life starts going out of us until it's finally vanquished. And the church in America and the nation, folks, we need to return to the Lord. We need to return to Christ. We have rejected him from early on. From the 60s on, it's just been even worse and worse and worse. We have rejected God. And the church, not all of us, but the church in wholesale, most of the church has just been playing games and kind of going about their own business. And it's really a wake-up call for us to wake up. Lord, what do you want to do with me? That's a good question to ask. And I need to be serious about sin. Are you serious about sin in your life? Is it something that you're willing to just kind of continue doing what you do and then just ask God to forgive you? He'll forgive you. He's a God of grace if you confess. That's what the Bible says. But then we don't change, and there's something wrong when we can continue living lives of sin and rebellion and then just always reaching in our pocket to that rabbit's foot and saying, Lord, forgive me. And he does. He's so good about that. But folks, do you understand there's a problem when my life doesn't continually reflect Christ and what he's done in my life? Don't let your life be like that. In Psalm 33, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose, whose God is the Lord, is Jehovah, specifically, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. In Proverbs 14, righteousness exalts a nation. It exalts a nation. When a nation is no longer exalted, it's because righteousness is no longer happening. And it starts with us first. Do you know that? It starts with the church of God. We can't expect the people outside these four walls to be like that. We have to be like that. We have to take our our relationship with Christ serious. We have to take it serious. Are you taking your walk with Christ serious? Or have you gotten into a kind of a haze and kind of a fog and just kind of going through the motions? We can no longer go through the motions, folks. We've got to wake up. Wake up, church in America. I need to wake up. The church needs to wake up so that we can be what God wants us to be. He wants us to be a light to those outside of these four walls. 
Even if we say nothing, our very lives will, will scream something that is so different from what people are experiencing out in the world. There's a peace about you if you're walking with Christ that is undeniable. The smile on your face when you're going through troubles, knowing that God is able, knowing that God can heal. Back in our text, verse 2, it says that, And now Samuel says, Here is your king walking before you, and I'm old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. They've walked before you from my childhood. And here is, in a sense, this passing of the baton. And you remember that Samuel's sons, uh, Joel and Abijah, they were not good men. I don't know what happened. And maybe it wasn't Samuel's fault, because we can't be held responsible to too much with another person, another child of ours. You teach them in the way they should go, but they have to make the decision to follow. They can't ride into heaven on the coattails of their parents. We can't control them. They've got to come to that relationship with Christ one-on-one. We can't make them do it. They've got to do it on their own volition. But Samuel's sons, Joel and Abijah, they were not good men. They, They perverted justice, it tells us. They took bribes, just like Eli's sons, whom Samuel grew up with. Remember when he was in Shiloh at the tabernacle, the Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were not only... Uh, taking bribes and doing injustice. They were also sleeping with the women before the gate. And Samuel knew that his sons weren't called to continue in the ministry, and the people knew it too, and how heartbreaking it was. And notice what he said, I've walked before you from my childhood. What a privilege for Samuel to serve the Lord all of his life, from a child up until he's a gray-haired old man. Think of that. I didn't come to serve the Lord until I was 26, 20, yeah, 26, 25, 26 years old. That was when I got saved and everything changed. Then I started serving the Lord and realized what a joy it was. But think of being a young man, a very young man, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, and now in the temple as he was. And there's nothing greater. And Samuel was a Levite. He, that was what he was supposed to do. And there's nothing greater than serving Jesus Christ. There's no greater vocation. Are you serving the Lord? Are you serving the Lord regardless of where you're working nine to five every day? Did you know that you can serve the Lord while you're working nine to five? You may not be able to outrightly start preaching to somebody, but there's breaks. You've got a break. You've got a lunch break. You can send an, uh, an email after hours to a, co- a co-worker who's struggling after hours. You've got to be careful about that. You do what you've got to do for your employer, but there's ways that you can minister to people. I remember when 9-11 happened, and I was working at Xerox at the time, and I remember that Tuesday morning because after everything fell down and the two towers, everybody was freaking out. I remember that. And I went back into my cubicle, and I just sat there, and everybody in my group knew I was a Christian. And I sat there with my head on my desk just weeping. And I lift my head up and I found a line of people outside my cubicle. They knew I was a Christian. They said, what does the Bible have to say about this? What is this? What's going on? And it was a great opportunity, again, to minister. Notice I didn't initiate it. They initiated it. But see... Begin to think like that, that your job no longer has to be a drag, but your job can be a mission field. 
You have to be careful, but it can be a mission field. And what a blessing for Israel to have Samuel for all that time. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.